So will this be the tussle in Tuscaloosa? Today, one of the candidates is already issuing a challenge as the debate stage is now set for News Nation's GOP presidential debate. Coming up, what the candidates hope to achieve and who you should not expect to go after Donald Trump. Plus, a surge of migrants continues along the southern border. We'll show you exclusive News Nation video from the situation there on the ground. Meantime, back on Capitol Hill, are we watching the end of an era in the House? Possibly yet another clue came this afternoon. We'll explain in just a moment. And we asked the other day, does the world's most famous MMA fighter want to become a world leader? Well, Conor McGregor is now weighing in. Thanks for being with us here on the Hill. I'm Blake Berman, hanging out here in Alabama today with Chris Steyerwall, News Nation political editor and senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Julia Manchester is the national political reporter at the Hill. Sean Spicer, News Nation contributor and former White House press secretary to President Trump. And Johanna Mosca, News Nation contributor and former Obama administration official. The Hill on News Nation starts right now. And hello from the quad, the center of the campus at the University of Alabama, where apparently the bells ring at the top of the hour. (laughs) The center of campus is a bit quiet at the moment, despite the bells. By the way, it is the week before final exam, so it makes sense. But the volume will be turned up tomorrow night. And what a test it will be for the four presidential candidates hoping to become the main challenger to Donald Trump once again uh, this primary season, as it is set to begin here uh, in the upcoming months. Here's the headline today in the Tuscaloosa News. University of Alabama says campus is ready for GOP presidential debate. Hello to you all on a beautiful day. We got the music. It's like they're welcoming us here uh, to the middle of uh, a campus If it rings here. this long at, at, <laughs> at five, I'd hate to see how long it rings at noon. Because this is a re- you must have paid extra for this. I don't know if you can hear it at home, but it's, it's awesome behind us right now. So uh, debate tomorrow night. Let's, let's open it up. Let's start it there. What are we expecting? Okay, so we've seen a lot of jockeying and people getting in position. We know this is the last scheduled debate. Uh, Certainly, uh, it's going to be the last debate of this year. It's an open question about what kind of debates, if any, will be held in in the next year. So certainly for Vivek Ramaswamy, for Chris Christie, they're aware this is the hmm. this is the last train out of town. And if you want a chance to be in the discussion, you want to be part of this, you got to make your mark here. On the other hand. If you overswing, if you go too hard, you knock your own self out. So this is a high-stakes moment for them and a big moment for Republicans. Interesting to hear you mention uh, Ramaswamy and Christie because at the, the top two are uh, Hale, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. And I have spent, I think, the past three debates writing stories saying, oh, this, this debate is a high-stakes moment for Ron DeSantis. But <laughs> this time I actually mean it. Nah. This is a huge... But this moment. time it's different. This time it's really <laughs> different because it is his last chance before a national audience. I'm sure there are viewers from Iowa tuning in. He's put all of his eggs in the Iowa basket. But look, we have seen him not necessarily rise in the polls. We are seeing Nikki Haley rising, Donald Trump maintaining his lead. He has been stagnant. So he really needs to change that around. Instead, we've seen a number of headlines about DeSantis's organization and the super PAC that are, have just been negative. There's, so it's time to change. There's probably folks at home saying, ask Spicer why Trump isn't here. 
Because it makes sense. Uh, I wouldn't come. I wouldn't come if I were him either. His lead is huge. He understands what's at stake. But I'll tell you, getting back to what tomorrow's all about. This is a nationally televised debate from yep. here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. But the only thing that matters are the two hundred thousand caucus goers in Iowa. Hmm. If you don't get a ticket out of Iowa, your campaign is over. DeSantis has staked everything in Iowa. Vivek Ramaswamy has staked everything in Iowa. There are four viable candidates. Christie is not running in Iowa, right? He has staked everything in New Hampshire. Four viable candidates. Going into Iowa, I think, to make it out. Yeah. But New Hampshire also will matter. And Iowa has not always predicted the Republicans' nominee. No, but it winnows the field. It, it all winnows the field. And this is really important because now, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, this is when people are finally making those decisions. And you know, Iowa is famous for undecided voters. People don't make up their mind until the last moment. This is going to be on MLK Day, the Iowa caucus. So we're going into January, and it's real quick before they're going to have to caucus on a Monday night. I should note, as we are here in Alabama, that Alabama is on Super Tuesday. Yep. And so that's going to be, that is one of those days that matter a lot because by March 5th, Super Tuesday, which California has massive delegates, we're voting early and on, of course, Super Tuesday. This day is going to matter a lot. Oh, so well, I think that, that, that's matter. all. Look. The 40, there's 40 delegates in Iowa at stake. You need 1,215 to win the nomination. 50 of them are here in Alabama. I don't know. I mean, Joanna, Joanna might be right, but if Donald Trump runs through those first four early primary states and caucus states, it's over. You're not going to see a Super Tuesday that right. matters. If Trump can take Which Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and South Carolina, it's over. Well, I don't, think, I don't think Nevada is playing. Um, well, they, I, they've, they've got, got their got pockets. Got a, a I just thing. wanted to mention. Yeah. But I know. We're plug, we're plug Nevada. You get you get comps for a shrimp. I, I know. Thank you. I, um, but, Wayne Newton concerts. But, but it, it really depends on whether there is the same second place finisher, mm. right? Both so things. if yeah. if you have DeSantis edges Haley in Iowa, but then Haley edges DeSantis in North Carolina or in, in New yeah. Hampshire, and then they go down to South Carolina. Uh, that's a muddle. But if Haley can manage or DeSantis can manage to become number two in both Iowa and New Hampshire, then there's a clear narrative in so 32 you, days of open field running. You mentioned Ron DeSantis here. He was today, by the way, uh, about this debate and speaking about who won't be on stage and the challenge that he issued. Get out of your dungeon, get off the keyboard, stand on the debate stage, and, and let's go. Uh, let's go do it. Uh, I don't think he will do it because I don't think he can stand there for two hours um, against me and come out on top. I think they know that, and I think that's why they're not doing it. I don't think he could stand for two hours. He's trying to make the, he's, he's slowly but surely making the age reference can, there. Can I make one point? Yeah, go for it. back to what Chris said a moment ago as far as where debates stand, right? News Nation is going to host this debate tomorrow night, the fourth debate. If the rumors are true and they stop sanctioning debates going forward and allow the rules to get lifted, this is bad news for Trump because everyone right now is prohibited under the current rules from engaging in a one-off debate. The second that that rule is lifted, Ron DeSantis will start going, debate me one-on-one. Nikki Haley will say, debate me one-on-one. Trump has the cover of the current rules to protect him. He won't if those rules get lifted. So I will say, though, that Nikki Haley has outperformed on every debate stage, and Ron DeSantis, I mean, he just had a one-on-one debate with Gavin Newsom, and he pulled poop and child porn uh, out of his... I think Ron out of his, a great job. His I think, it was I super think, weird. But, but it was weird, but it was effective. He actually got his points across, so, and I thought that he bested Newsom uh, with a lot of facts. 
and and points that will resonate with Republicans. So uh, we've been talking about the the four that'll be on stage, obviously Donald Trump as well. Then there's the other side of the aisle. And something just happened within about the last half hour here that had us going, hmm, what does he mean by that? Julia, President Biden at a fundraiser, quote, if Trump wasn't running, I'm not sure I'd be running, but we cannot let him win. Is, Is he just a never Trumper or is he opening the door to, well, if it's not Trump, then maybe I can pass the baton off somewhere else. I think you could read it a number of different ways, but I think that message is really risky because, um, you know, going at saying it has to be anybody but Trump, anybody but Trump, that's definitely backfired on Democrats before. But look, I think he's trying to once again make this, get out of head of Trump and make this a one-on-one contest with Trump, you know, to sort of disregard the primary and look directly at the former president. He he was also speaking to donors. So to Mm -hmm. be clear, Clear. He's addressing a concern that Democrats have. They don't think our best candidate is in their 80s. And so he They're is right. addressing that up front, saying, I wouldn't be running if Trump weren't. I'm not sure he's telling the truth. It's but right. that's it, not a compelling was, argument in any case to say, I only would be running. You should be running for president because you want to serve the American people and you have an agenda going I, forward to say the it, only reason I'm running is because Donald Trump might be the nominee. Was I right, Chris, to go? Hmm, it's what? a big deal. It's a big deal. And um, this is uh, we have we have this long runway for Joe Biden. Uh, potentially to to get out of this race at some point. Uh, and Democrats talk about it all the time, and they know that Joe Biden's not a good choice in a lot of ways. And Joe Biden admitting that, yeah, this is about Trump. This isn't mm-hmm. about something else. Uh, and it, in a lot of ways, makes it more interesting what's going to happen here tomorrow as we think about could anybody other than Donald Trump be the Republican nominee? All right, so while the candidates on stage tomorrow are vying to become the most powerful Republican in 2025... Some of those in power now are jumping ship. They're saying, see ya. Patrick McHenry, for example, who just over a month ago was uh, serving as the, the acting speaker for a couple weeks, he's now calling it quits, announcing that he will not run for re-election. This, as his ally, the former House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, has yet to file paperwork. It has to be done in the, in the upcoming days, but he hasn't filed his paperwork yet to be on the 2024 ballot as a member of Congress, and he is uh, reportedly considering not running as well. You know, I think about, uh, let, let's show that uh, 2010 book cover. Young uh, Guns, uh, Paul Ryan, Eric Cantor, uh, Kevin McCarthy. We are the Young Guns. It was, a, it was such a sweet, such a, it was so long ago. It yeah, was so long ago, ago a, right? a decade ago. But are, are we seeing, uh, Chris, Julia, are we seeing like a, a shift of power from, you know, what was, I don't, I don't know how to call it, a the traditional conservative movement to, to something much different in the House? Well, I saw House Republicans had a surprise retirement party for Kevin McCarthy. Right? Uh, <laughs> they, hey, we're going to have a party for you, Kevin. You can head back to Bakersfield, up to Wall Street. There was a great hang. Uh, be gone. I, I, be do gone. Think, I, I do think that, the, that what we see in Patrick McHenry's departure, and I don't know what, what your reporting and experience tells you, is the ongoing brain drain uh, in Congress. Right. Uh, Patrick McHenry is a smart person. And the reason that he handed up as the uh, as the interim, as he ended up holding the gavel on an interim basis, he knows things. He's smart. He understands the process uh, and all of that stuff. 
if it is impossible to be a decent person and be in Congress, you will have fewer decent people in Congress. And I think McHenry's departure speaks to that. Absolutely. And we're seeing actually not only Republicans, but Democrats as well not running for re-election. This, I think, speaks to that overall brain drain that we're seeing throughout Congress. And the fact that, you know, I think there's this belief or this feeling of disappointment um, that Congress obviously isn't what it used to be. Um, It's not productive. It's uh, what you just look at the past couple of months. All right. Meantime, the new speaker, Mike Johnson, announcing today that the House will be going forward with its impeachment inquiry against President Biden. Watch. The House has no choice if it's going to follow its constitutional responsibility to formally adopt an impeachment inquiry on the floor so that when the subpoenas are challenged in court, we'll be at the apex of our constitutional authority. This vote is not a vote to impeach President Biden. This is a vote to continue the inquiry of impeachment, and that's a necessary constitutional step. Smarter waste of time, Sean. I think it's already shaking her well, head. Well, look, it's smart. Right. He's got to move on because they're not taking the subpoena seriously. But I, there's a point that Chris made that, that dovetails into this. It's important. Right now, with George Santos's exit, the House majority is down to three. You've already have one other member, Bill Johnson of Ohio, saying he's going to leave in February to become the president of Youngstown State University. That takes your majority to two. Kevin McCarthy does retire, if that's true, by the end of this year. That gives him a one-seat majority, mm-hmm. and then you want to pass an impeachment inquiry. That's going to be a tough tough vote. Yeah. And I think that that's important to note that it's he he has to do this right. to satisfy okay. a wing of the Republican conference and to also get those subpoenas taken seriously. But this is not going to be an easy and vote if those retirements happen. To build on what you're saying, it is, you know, McHenry, it's, it's really troubling that these folks who were finally like working across the aisle have all exited well, as no, you fully McHenry's empowered. not going to lead to the end of the term. Well, yes, of course. But as you, I mean, McCarthy got ousted from the speakership. So we're losing some of the people who believe in consensus building. Hakeem Jeffries was talking to McHenry about a solution on this. And so I guess it was so toxic that he can't run again. I mean, this is a problem. And the impeachments, every time we've seen them, they have not worked out the way the other party Mm. thinks they're going to. I think our impeachment of Donald Trump is evidence. But we've got all the people who actually want to govern. They're leaving. And that's concerning. All right. Well, coming up. Did you see this? A new report suggests there is potential movement with jury selection in Donald Trump's Washington, D.C. case. So how might the former president's legal troubles and the timing of it all impact the GOP vote? Steyerwald breaks it down on the other side of the break. And he is one of the most well-known athletes in all the world. So is Conor McGregor about to make a run to become president of his home country? Now, this could be for real. And part of this, by the way, have you heard this before? He's making the argument that the leading contenders are too old. That's all coming up on The Hill. We are live from the University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa, a day before the GOP presidential debate here on News Nation. Stay with us. We're back in a few. Ew. Gotta get rid of this old Backstreet Boys t-shirt. Tell me why. Because it stinks, boys. Tell me why. I've washed it so many times, but the odor won't come out. Tell me why. No, you tell me why I can't get rid of this odor. Have you tried Downy Rinse and Refresh? It doesn't just cover up odors. It helps remove them. 
Wow, it worked, guys. Yeah. Downy Rinse and Refresh removes more odor in one wash than the leading value detergent in three washes. Find it wherever you buy laundry products. For Digitas, this is HPE Radio, ad ID 1HPE0350000, spot title HPE, episode 2, English Radio, 15 seconds long, mixed at Harbor on October 11th, 2023. So, how do we get AI right? Well, we need the right volume of data and massive compute power. But with HPE GreenLake, we get access to supercomputing to power AI at the scale we need. Search HPE GreenLake. Hello there, this is Nat King Cole wishing you all a happy and a Merry Christmas. The joy of living is in the giving. So let's give lots of toys for tots Toys, toys, toys for tots Some have too many Some haven't any If those who have give those who haven't Oh, what a Christmas day The Marine Reserve will help you Will help you fill your sleigh With lots and lots of toys for tots So give a little toy today Since 1947, the United States Marine Corps has been helping Santa fill his sleigh Making happier holidays for deserving children right in your community Go to toysfortots.org and learn how you can make a difference Thanks for listening to News Nation on the Go. I'm Ashley Banfield. To get America's fastest growing news channel on your screen, go to joinnn.com. Our daughter Jessie loves playing detective. A clue. But since we discovered she has sensitive skin, we've been playing detective too. We thought the problem was our puppy. But it was actually our old detergent. Aha. Uh-huh. So we switched to Tide Free and Gentle. Tide cleans better than the leading competitive free detergent, and it doesn't leave behind irritating residues. Plus, Tide Free and Gentle has no dyes or perfumes, so it's gentle on her skin. Case closed. If it's got to be clean, it's got to be Tide Free and Gentle. Retirement can be scary, but only if you're not prepared. That's why AARP created thisispretirement.org. Because unless you've already retired, you're in pretirement and you still have time to plan. Learn about retirement savings options, potential tax breaks, and how you can build savings over time. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan and feel the retirement fear disappear. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Wednesday, the final GOP debate of the year is on News Nation, America's fastest growing cable news network. News Nation's Elizabeth Vargas, Sirius XM's Megyn Kelly, and the Washington Free Beacon's Eliana Johnson moderate a live primetime event from the University of Alabama as the candidates make their case to America on the only network for all America. The News Nation Republican primary debate, live Wednesday, 8 Eastern. To find News Nation on your TV, go to joinnn.com. behind screens a lot. All right, welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation, live from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We're just off the side of the football stadium there uh, in the quad ahead of tomorrow night's GOP presidential debate here on News Nation. So four of the candidates will be on stage tomorrow night talking about the issues of the day. And in 41 days, folks in Iowa will get their say as well. But as the campaign calendar heats up, so will former President Donald Trump's legal troubles. Chris Dyerwalt here to break down what all of that could potentially mean for the former president. Chris. 
Uh, you were probably a lot cooler in college than I was. So when you went across know. the quad at Michigan, it was probably a big deal. So this, this feels nice. I'm very glad, very glad to be here. But I kind of wish that I was at home. Because if I was at home, I might have gotten a letter in the mail from the D.C. courts uh, inviting me to be on a jury uh, that is going to try President, former President Donald Trump on charges that he interfered with the peaceful transfer of power in 2021. Indeed, uh, this is NBC reporting uh, that they have a letter that uh, a prospective juror received in uh, D.C. saying, hey, it, it all lines up, and it all lines up around one date, and that date is March 4th. And we know that that's happening because the judge in Trump's criminal trial has rejected claims of immunity, that Trump doesn't have to do this. Basically, they're on track to go to trial when they get to the beginning of March. Now, how this goes, and it's going to last three months, April, May, June, you're into the summer, it's almost the conventions and all that stuff. I got it. But come with me very briefly into the calendar because this is the weird stuff that I care about. And since they're giving me this segment, you're going to be forced to care about it very briefly, too. So here's where the big red calendar date falls. You see in the run of things there. So in January, you will have had Iowa and you will have had New Hampshire. Now you get into February and you see there South Carolina, which will send them off into these crucial moments. Super Tuesday, which includes the voters here in Alabama on March 5th. If that trial begins on March 4th, what will everybody in America be talking about? Everybody, every man, woman, child, some of the dogs, cockatoos, everybody. What are they going to talk about? The start of Donald Trump's criminal trial. How's that going to do for Donald Trump in Alabama and on Super Tuesday? It's going to do great. It's going to do really, really, really well for Donald Trump, probably, because look at the most recent uh, News Nation poll done for us by our brothers and sisters at Decision Desk uh, HQ. Uh, would a Donald Trump criminal conviction impact your vote? Should have said effect, but I love you anyway. Uh, no, 72%. Now, some of those, as we've talked about before, are people who already aren't going to vote for Donald Trump. So if you already aren't going to vote for Donald Trump, what do you care if he's convicted? But a lot of these people are saying, ride or die, I don't care. It, I am alleging no conspiracy. Do not charge me, Jack Smith. I'm alleging no conspiracy. But I will say this. The timing could not be better for Donald Trump to lock up the Republican nomination than to dominate the news fighting like John Dillinger against the Biden Justice Department on the very eve of the Super Tuesday vote, including Alabama. So there you have it. I broke it down. Starwell breaks it down. Uh, so Chris says could not be better timing. Agree? Yeah. But don't you think that that's fascinating? I mean, if you told me 10 years ago when I started, or 30 years ago when I started doing campaigns, your candidate is going to be indicted the day before a vote, I'd be like, we need to, we need to do something. Chris is right. This is actually a huge help to him. Every time something happens in the legal sphere for Trump, his poll numbers go up, his base gets hard. It's amazing to think that the dynamic has flipped itself such that getting indicted and starting a he's trial a, is good political news. He's up 50 in, our, in the News Nation uh, Decision Desk HQ poll. It was what, like I feel 25? like another candidate is going to run out and try to commit vote. a crime. Polls don't give them any ideas, Sean. Polls don't vote. But no, I, we may sit up here and say that this is good, but it's not good for America. And there are 
so many trial dates that they're going to be peppered throughout this entire election cycle. And it is just going to further divide us. Nikki Haley is right when she says that chaos follows Donald Trump. Do you want that well, choice? It may, it oh, as an American. Very well may be good for Democrats, right? So the, the danger for Republicans. So. It's the very, bad well, for America. Oh, well, okay. Well, that, but my point here is that for your party, there are considerable upsides. That if the idea is that Republicans in a fit of frenzy slam the door on Nikki Haley or whomever else and say, okay, we're on, we're back, we're back on Trump and here we go. And the, it's done on that day. And then the next several months are dominated by, by stories that are knocking Trump with persuadable voters and moderate voters. Maybe Democrats will be helped. At the same time, though, and to Sean's point, every time you see these events with Trump, whether it's a try, a court date, a mugshot or whatever, that puts him in the spotlight and it's free media attention. I mean, he doesn't have to really do much, whereas you have all the other Republican primary uh, candidates trying to fight for that attention. Mm -hmm. Trump doesn't have to do that. Now, in a general election, I don't know how that dynamic plays out, but it certainly uh, can be for him. All right. Well, coming up, the head of Harvard hauled into Congress, along with the presidents of other top universities, why they had to defend themselves up on Capitol Hill today. Plus, from the octagon to the top office, <laughs> is the former UFC champ Conor McGregor eyeing a run for president in his home country? Well, now even Elon Musk is weighing in. Uh... Stay with us. The Hill on News Nation, live from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, on a beautiful fall day. All right, welcome back here to the Hill on News Nation. We are live from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. There we go. That, that's a great look of uh, where we are. It's about, I don't know, 55, 60 degrees here on campus. As we are here, of course, ahead of tomorrow night's News Nation GOP presidential debate from the University of Alabama. All right, but before then, uh, the FBI Director Christopher Wray today, did you hear what he said? He had a pretty ominous warning uh, when he spoke to Congress. He told lawmakers that the war between Israel and Hamas has prompted an unprecedented level of threats facing the homeland. Watch. I've never seen a time where all the threats or so many of the threats are all elevated all at exactly the same time. So blinking red lights, the analogy about 9-11, all the lights were blinking red before 9-11. Apparently, obviously, all of us missed it. Would you say that there's multiple blinking red lights out there? I see blinking lights everywhere I turn. So when you look at the 9-11 the Commission report that was put together after, uh, of course, the September 11th terrorist attacks to try to figure out what happened and how we can avoid it. U.S. intelligence agencies received a stream of warnings that al-Qaeda planned, as one report put it, something very, very big. The director of the CIA told us the system was blinking red. That's what we learned then, and you heard basically, Julia, the same language from the FBI director today. I think there's certainly a lot of parallels between 9-11 and what we're seeing today, or at least the mood uh, heading into 9-11 and the situation in the Middle East. But one thing that is different is that terrorism looks different, um, you know, over 20 years after 9-11. Um, you know, I immediately think of ISIS and how we saw a lot of the homegrown ISIS attacks, you know, hap sort of, you know, uh, happening online and happening not necessarily with uh, people from the region, but happening here uh, due, due to the fact that they were influenced from there. So 
Terrorism looks very differently, di- different now, and I think you're just dealing with an incredibly volatile issue. And you're already seeing, you know, it's one thing to talk about the terror threats, but you're already seeing violence. Look at uh, Sunday in Philadelphia when a Jewish um, a business was targeted by protesters or those three Palestinian Americans who were shot in Vermont. Mm-hmm. This, you're starting to see the temperature really rise, and I think we're going to get to a boiling point. You know, going back to that report that came out after 9-11, it also said that we lacked imagination, hmm. that intelligence officials lacked the imagination to believe that certain things could happen. You don't need imagination right now to realize what's happening at our southern border. We're allowing people that were known to be on the terrorist watch list in. We have pictures of Chinese nationalists lined up coming in through the southern border. It doesn't take imagination to realize that the threat is real and that we shouldn't be having to negotiate whether or not we're going to protect our southern border and what's going on. This should be a national interest for both parties. Unfortunately, this administration doesn't seem to take that threat seriously at our southern border. And again, it doesn't take imagination to realize people are walking right in that are not looking to do us any good. I hate the rhetoric that one party doesn't take issues seriously. It's not true. I think that both parties have different issues, but actually there are bipartisan solutions that haven't been taken up. And I worry in this kind of a politically divisive moment, what would be the reaction if there was a terrorist, you know, a, a terrorist attack on our country? Would we be Listen, able to find the common? No, because your party, together? your party, the senior it's, officials in the White House say that the border is secure and it's not. This is so That's, dangerous, it's, Sean. It is, it is we dangerous. Know, we and they know should take it, it seriously. hasn't been secure for a very long time, no. and it's not one party's doing. It is. It is. A this, you're also you're also drawing it straight inaction. to the. You're t- talking about imagination, but you're drawing it straight straight to the border. I mean. God forbid oh, if I something were to happen, it could come But that's, that doesn't, I mean, my point is yes. And I think what Christopher Ray is saying, there are lights everywhere. But right. there shouldn't have to be one at okay. the southern border. All right. Well, meantime, presidents of three major college universities were grilled by lawmakers on Capitol Hill today about anti-Semitism on college campuses. One moment from that hearing came from the Republican Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. She, by the way, is a graduate of Harvard. She asked that school's president if calling for the mass murder of African-Americans was protected speech. A Harvard student calling for the mass murder of African-Americans is not protected free speech at Harvard, correct? Our commitment to free speech... It's a yes or no question. Is that corrected? Is that okay for students to call for the mass murder of African-Americans at Harvard? Is that protected free speech? Our commitment to free speech... It's a yes or no question. The... The analogy there is when you've got Palestinian, pro-Palestinian uh, protesters chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That is calling for the mass extinction of Jews. That's allowed on campus, but when she was asked something like that, couldn't get an answer. Well, look, the, the deep dysfunction of America, we, we, we could uh, go long right. on what's wrong with the, America's elite uh, institutions of higher learning, uh, not just in terms of this kind of politically divisive claptrap, but also in just failing to educate young people, right? In failing to furnish their minds with enough history, enough philosophy, enough of the world so that they can participate as adults. But I want to say this, and it's, a, it's of a piece with this. If there was a terrorist attack on the United States of America, Americans would come together. Yes. The, atta- the oh, attacks... I, oh, the I, atta- I hear I you too. I, I hear a Republican and a Democrat down here saying that. And I understand why you feel that way. And I, I'm sure there's a good argument to be made. The United States had just gone through, to that point, the most divisive presidential election in history in 2000. It was chaos. It was pandemonium over 534 votes in Florida. And 
there were many questions. And the United States came together after that attack. And I promise you the United States would come together again if there was an attack because this is still the United yeah. States of America. So, uh, number one, uh, with all due respect, I think this is one area where Johanna and I probably agree. (laughs) Unfortunately, I think the nature of what's going on now is very different. There was a divisive election in 2000, but I don't think we questioned the motives of Al Gore uh, in terms of, you know, we might not have disagreed with his policies, but not his patriotism and his commitment to secure the border. I do have concerns, and I think a lot of Republicans would have concerns about whether this administration took the necessary steps. That being said, I think getting back to the point of this of this segment here. Yep. The idea that you can't answer a question like that, Chris is right, but who is teaching these people? When the leaders of our institutions show their colors by not being able to condemn this kind of behavior, that's pathetic. Well, we're all living in our own silos. So here's one thing I would say is actually there are a lot of incredible professors and public school teachers teaching throughout this country history and all of the things that these kids need to know, philosophy, everything. And yet, when people live in their own bubbles, they only want to believe one thing. And that's what worries me, Chris. I pray that you are right. I hope that you are right. It just is so worrying this moment in time. You know, I take your point that there are wonderful college professors and public school teachers, private school teachers all around. But I think this conflict has really started to show that particularly on the political left, mm-hmm. there is, there does seem, and I'm, it exists on the right as well, it exists everywhere, but it, we have seen the left, you know, the anti-Semitism. All right, meantime, the Alabama senator from this state, uh, Tommy Tuberville, he is now backing down, ending his months-long blanket hold on more than 400 military promotions for officers at the three-star level and below. Senator Schumer changed the rules on us, on the NDAA. And when you change the rules, it's hard to beat somebody. I'd love to have five downs in football instead of four, but you can't do it. It's got to be fair for everybody. So, that being said, I'm not going to hold the promotions of these people any longer. Now, today, the Senate confirmed by unanimous consent those over 400 senior military promotions. There are, though, however, at least four-star generals who will still be affected. Can we get a wide shot for a second? Because I want to show on on this wide shot, um, above Sean there, you can see the bell, and then behind that, that's Bryant-Denny Stadium, where they play a little football here (laughs) in Alabama. Tommy Tuberville used to be the coach of the opposing team. It was like he ran the ball down to the one-yard line and ran it and ran it and ran it and ran it for 10 straight months and didn't score a touchdown and took the L, did he not? Absolutely. He got nothing for this. Look, the bottom line is, let's remember the context. Tuberville in op- the, the, this administration changed the military's uh, policy on abortion and then gave 30 days leave for it. Tuberville opposed it. He said in retaliation, I'm going to hold up not the civilian political appointees, but all the military promotions at the one star and above level. And then he got nothing for it. Nothing. Yep. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And so, I, honestly, I, I don't even, I mean, this is almost like. That's the analogy. That's the analogy, awesome. right? Walking into Bryant Denny and saying for 10 straight months, I'm going to run the ball and you leave the stadium and there's no. No, I think it's actually giving them a safety. They got, <laughs> okay. It took us having a Republican debate at his rival for him to, but it does also come on the same day that Christopher Ray is saying that all of these right. lights are blinking red yeah. and we need to have our military readiness. Chris. He could have negotiated something, yes. he could have gotten something out out yes. of this months yes. ago. He thinks he knows months better ago, than he women. He would have done this, but he did not. Not good play calling. Not, not play good calling. play All calling. Right. Well, tomorrow here on News Nation, the senator from the state of Alabama, Tommy Tuberville, will be live on Morning in America. Make sure you catch that interview. That starts 6 o'clock Eastern, 
5 o'clock central. But coming up, a surge of Chinese migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border. And now some presidential candidates are reacting to our exclusive News Nation video. That is next when we continue live from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. A live look at the debate stage uh, inside the music hall here on campus. We'll be back here from the quad outside Bryant-Denny, where they say roll tide pretty frequently. Stay with us. We're going streaking. Welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation, live from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Actually, you see that little white tent there, bottom of your screen? That's the quad, and that's the tent, and that's where we're hanging out uh, here for The Hill uh, for the next few days as we get ready for... The big debate tomorrow night here on News Nation, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. Uh, four of the top presidential uh, contenders here in Tuscaloosa to talk about the issues of the day. One of those is, of course, the border, the southern border. And border communities are seeing an influx now of Chinese nationals crossing illegally into the United States. You see the video here, our News Nation team capturing video of a large group of Chinese migrants. Uh, this was in Hot Springs, California where many say uh, they are fleeing the Chinese Communist Party. Now, according to our exclusive News Nation Decision Desk HQ polling, more than half of Republican voters believe that if Republicans end up winning control of Congress and the White House, so basically control Washington, that border security should be a top priority in 2024. Chris, where is this... you know, on, on the totem pole for priorities. Well, you can see there 52% of Republicans, I don't know if we still have that delicious graphic, but 52% of Republicans compared to 23% of independents and 16% of Democrats say that the issue of the border should be a top priority for Republicans if they win. <clears throat> this is the immutable, absolute question for the Republican Party. It's how Donald Trump got control of the Republican Party in 2016, because Republicans were not talking about border security, immigration to a sufficient degree. This is the one. And if we think about ways in which the Republican Party has changed under Donald Trump or since Donald Trump, absolute unity on border security, immigration enforcement, all of that stuff. The Republicans have become the party of border security and hardline on immigration, and Democrats find themselves in a very difficult position. So let me ask you, though, because you were at all those events in 2016. I was at a lot of the rallies. We're going to build a wall, and who's going to pay for it? Mexico. Mexico didn't pay for it. A lot of the wall didn't get built. We're starting to hear, although a lot did, we're starting to hear some Republicans, Ron DeSantis, hit Donald Trump. Mexico didn't pay for it. Why do we have this problem now? Trump had his four years. Does that resonate with with Republicans or no? I think some Republicans, and those are the Republicans that are attracted to Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley. But I think at the end of the day, Trump's still making it a big issue. I think it's a concern. There's enough uh, muddledness, uh, if you will, or whatever, of the issue, meaning I can blame the Democratic Party for not funding it, whatever, a lot of finger-pointing as an excuse as to why more wall didn't get built, why the border security wasn't done. But at the end of the day, you, you laid it out right, and Chris, the stats that Chris read off are correct, which is they still care about it, so whoever's the stronger rhetoric is probably going to do the best. But Democrats care about it too, Sean, and we've talked about this. It is not fair to say that there's an open border. It it's is not fair. fair. No, it's not. It is, it is only fair when we work together to try to come up with a solution, because if we don't, we're going to continue. But that ain't happening. You know 
that's it not happening. To. And, and that's that's to. look, I, I know it, it has can. to, but it hasn't for there a very long time. But there are plans that that we problem solvers have plans that they have come up with, and until we do it, there's going to be lawsuit after lawsuit from each different state. If you put into plan some super partisan, we're going to shoot everybody as they come in. The only way this gets solved is if you work across the party aisle and you get people on. Look, I I don't think the Democratic Party truly wants to solve this problem. This to them, no, no, they don't. I could say the Republicans just want it as a talking point. No, they don't. We actually want to protect the border. The Democratic Party, bottom line, and we can all dance around this, needs an influx of new voters going forward, and this is where they're getting them. Julia, so... Uh, <laughs> that I, is I, not so, where we're getting our new voters. G- going and forward. I will say, they keep talking about a genocide in China, which there is, so we don't know why these people are getting here, but we do know that there's new ways we could figure out why they about a, You talk about a solution. The, the question is, will this get tied to Ukraine aid and all of that? Update on where all that stands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, look, I haven't been following that as closely, but it very well could. And that ma- makes things, you know, much more Even difficult more going forward because we know that there's a big divide on Ukraine. Yeah. And right. the speaker says that it absolutely, there will be no funding for, there will be no vote on Ukraine funding unless it is absolute. I forget the, the Trumpian superlatives that he used, but absolutely secure, permanently secure, massively secure uh, the southern border. So that's a tough negotiating position to begin. Transformative and, change. Must be tied to quote unquote change. Transformative, right. transformative change. change. I hope the White House is there at the table with him talking about this transformative change because it's the only way it's going to actually come about. All right. Uh, well, then there's the other issue that we've been talking about. You ready to talk about Conor McGregor? You are. I'm here with you. Spicer <laughs> and I were, were, were discussing yeah. about this a little this while ago. The bro, bro news. From the octagon to the political arena. Have you seen this? The former MMA champion Conor McGregor uh, hinting that he may be stepping into the ring for a political fight teasing a presidential bid in Ireland in 2025. Now, he, he posted a photo of himself with the caption, caption, Ireland, your president. The former UFC star then proceeded to criticize his rivals and tout his young age in another post. Um, so a lot of things about this, right? Obviously, the power of celebrity. But what he, one of the things that Conor McGregor is doing here is saying that the people running for president are in their 70s, and I am 35. Hello, that's what we hear in the United States, too. I mean, it's the, it's the playbook. Generational change, is it not? He's certainly got the 35-year-old abs that he's shown. Oh, dear. Everyone. <laughs> oh, Sean. Can I say, well, can I say that, that okay. Ireland oh, you want to talk about, about my abs? No, no, I wanted to talk about Conor McGregor. But. Ireland is about 5 million people, which is about this, the population of the state of Alabama. So it's not like he's running for president of the United States, and we did have an untested TV person run but, and win for president you know, you start States. thinking about this. There is a trend yeah. around the world, right? You saw this with Zelensky yep. in Ukraine. You've seen this yeah. now in Argentina and throughout. I mean, Tell this is coming up over and over again where you've got people who are outside the political system coming in from an outsider standpoint and running and being successful. He says, among uh, many other things, the allocation of our nation's funds has been nothing short of criminal and without a lot of consideration uh, for the public thinking. This is why I'd run if I was to, to be the voice that deserved to be heard. Yeah, I'm also curious to see how young voters, like younger millennials and Generation Z voters in Ireland feel about this, how they feel about current leadership. Because here in the United States, there's obviously uh, discontent and they want generational change. I would imagine that's being repeated in that trend that Sean was mentioning, you know, a around the world. Idiocracy was not <laughs> fiction. As it turns out, it was prophecy. By the way, Elon Musk is kind of like rooting him on on X saying, go ahead, do this. So once you got the backing of someone like yeah. that, who knows? 
Uh, coming up here on News Nation in the next hour on Elizabeth Vargas Reports, Brian Enton filling in for Elizabeth tonight as she gets ready for the big night tomorrow night. Brian will be joined by Keith Marcus from the Brandeis Center to talk about anti-Semitism on college campuses. That's 6 o'clock Eastern, nine minutes from now, right here on News Nation. But before then and coming up, there's a lot on the line for tomorrow's GOP debate. So we're digging into the archives, highlighting some of the most memorable debate moments. That, that maybe you forgot about some, I don't know. Final thoughts from the panel as well. That's when we return. Tomorrow, a night that defines the future of the 2024 presidential race. The News Nation Republican primary debate. News Nation has you covered before and after the candidates take the debate stage. Chris Cuomo, Leland Vitter, and the best political team anywhere. Starwalt, Spicer, Mulvaney, Masca, Ortegas. Clear insights and fact-driven reporting on the night's biggest moments. Special live coverage starts tomorrow on The Hill at 5-4 Central, only on News Nation. If I would have kept making only the minimum payments on my credit cards, my debt would have taken me 47 years to pay off. These are real national debt relief customers. I knew I wasn't going to be able to get out of debt by myself. Credit card, medical, or personal loan debt? National Debt Relief negotiates with your creditors to reduce what you owe. National Debt Relief got me out of debt. You could be debt-free in as little as 24 to 48 months. Visit nationaldebtrelief.com to learn more and get started. nationaldebtrelief.com Moonwalk through the 80s and 90s on Rewind TV. This is a big deal! Your favorite sitcoms from the 80s and 90s are all in one place. Rewind TV. Just go to RewindTV.com and check it out. Pass it on. Today my bank made a big mistake, but I forgave him. My server spilled water on me, but I forgave him. My toddler drew lipstick on the wall. Was I ever mad? It got me thinking. I can forgive my bank and my server, but I'm upset with my own kid? I mean, what's most important here? So, tonight, the two of us are doing lipstick art. On paper, forgiveness is in you. Pass it on. From PassItOn.com. You can't escape a traffic jam. Know what else you can't escape? Seasonal allergies. Ah! And you might think you can avoid that coffee stain until... Oh, really? You can't escape a lot of things in life, but you can escape prediabetes. Prediabetes captures one in three adults. There are usually no signs of prediabetes. In fact, most people don't even know they have it. But with early diagnosis, you can change the outcome and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Take action by taking the one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. You might not be able to escape having this song stuck in your head. But you can escape prediabetes. Go to doihaveprediabetes.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. My mom has decided to learn to paint and she's good. My dad's now into creative cuisine and I've already put on six pounds. Learning new things comes with age. My mom? She started forgetting my name and what we're talking about. Forgetting well-known things doesn't. Memory loss may be a sign of Alzheimer's disease. Early detection gives you and your loved one time to plan for the future. Learn the warning signs of Alzheimer's at 10signs.org. 
Brought to you by the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. This is the News Nation audio stream, available 24-7 on the News Nation app or on your Alexa. Just say, play News Nation. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our responsibility. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. It's the most important issue facing society. The plight that has all of humanity asking one thing. How do we stop the F-Boys? F-Boy Island is back. In front of you are 21 men. 487 amps. Who's here for love? Who's here for cash? Nikki Glaser hosts a brand new season of the hit dating show from the producers of The Bachelor. Welcome to F-Boy Island! Don't miss F-Boy Island. Watch live Mondays at 8, 7 central and stream for free now on the CW app. In a single moment, everything can change. When a player's sudden cardiac event brought a national football game to a halt, it shone a spotlight on the importance of CPR readiness. Now, with youth sports in full swing, the American Heart Association is rallying parents and coaches to be ready in an emergency. To be ready, learn hands-only CPR. It's a skill anyone can learn in minutes. Visit heart.org slash hands-only CPR and become a lifesaver today. Are you prepared for an emergency or disaster? Because it's not a matter of if, but when. Don't find yourself saying, (laughs) When the storm rolls in, my time to find a pet-friendly evacuation center will have run out. The scorching heat wave will leave me powerless to cool my insulin. I'll face a hurricane without meds. Now that's a tough pill to swallow. Let's prepare so we all have a better story to tell. Get started at ready.gov slash older adults. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. All right, welcome back here uh, to News Nation live at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, where Spicer says he's going to mandate his kids go to college oh, in a few years. <laughs> he's loving it here. Spicer I'll come visit him. University of Alabama. <laughs> uh, that white tent, that's where we are as we gear, gear up and get ready for the big debate tomorrow night here on News Nation, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. Debates, as you know, they're always full of surprises and often create moments that can live on for many years, many decades in some cases. So as we look forward to the debate tomorrow night. We also, for a minute here as we say goodbye, take a look back at some of the more memorable moments from past GOP debates. With the sound man, please turn Mr. Reagan's mic off. Oh, oh, Is this on? Mr. Green, did you turn that mic on? You asked for me if you would... I am paying for this microphone, Mr. Green. Amnesty, and for you to describe it as you do in the attack ads, my friend, you can spend your whole your whole fortune on these attack ads, but it still won't be true. Uh, may I make a no, 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 no? I get a chance to respond to this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just. I don't. I don't, descri- I don't describe your plan as amnesty in my ad. Uh, if uh, Ronald Reagan were here, who we all invoke, he would grab the microphone, say, "It's my microphone. I paid for it." And Ronald Reagan did amnesty. He actually did amnesty. Yeah. yeah. I think he'd be in one of Mitt's negative commercials. And, and the third agency of government, yeah. I would I would do away with the education, uh, the uh, 
Commerce. Commerce. And let's see. I can't. The third one, I can't. Sorry. (laughs) Oops. Are they small hands? (laughs) And he referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. My goodness. Uh, You know, last in the last debate, uh, Nikki Haley called Vivek Ramaswamy scum. And she name-checked, uh, you know, her, do- her daughter. So you never know what happens. Well, there's going to there's gonna be moments, and what you want to do is have a good one. Yes, not uh, one of those. Not, not that Rick Perry will, for the rest of his life, okay, have whoops. oops on his epitaph. So uh, you, you want to have a good night, not a bad night. Uh, and the whole thing for these guys is be loose, try to not let the pressure get to you, and that's what their, their teams are trying to help them do right now is be cool. And be authentic. If it's contrived, it'll come across contrived. All right. right. And don't pull poop out of your 